Wherever you are in your adoption journey, we are a community centered around love, trust, and respect for the experience and opportunities that have made us families. We promise to share, encourage, support, and celebrate the day-to-day of adoptive mamahood together. I'm Liz. And I'm Sarah. And together, we are Two Adoptive Mamas. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Two Adoptive Mamas podcast. We are excited today to be continuing our mini series with Abby Kaiser. She is here as the Director of Family Life Services at Kobe's Family Services. And Abby, so glad to have you back. Thanks for joining us again. Sure, absolutely. That's a lot of services, isn't it, Sarah? It's a lot of services, but that's a good thing. We we need a lot of services. So all the services. That's right. That's right. Um, Abby, do us a quick favor, if you would. And um, for those who maybe didn't catch our first episode, give us the overview of your role at Kobe's um, and kind of how you're uh, connected to the adoption community. Yeah. So I um, oversee our counseling department and our resource home unit, which oversees our resource parents that take care of the uh, foster children that are in our care at Kobe's, as well as our family life education department. Um, And so that is what I do at Kobe's, and it is a fun-filled, everyday occurrence. Uh, No day is the same, and so I'm very passionate about what's going on at Kobe's and the work that we do. We love Kobe's too as a local parent and hope that for our listeners who maybe aren't in our county that they um, are able to find uh, some post-adoption support or um, some support if you have foster kids in your home, um, a place like Kobe's. Um, So, but if you don't, even if you don't, um, I think surrounding yourself with community and getting resources wherever you can is really important. Um, I want to know, Abby, what well, especially with all of your experience, but what are we, what are we supposed to be talking about that we aren't? What is something that we really need to dive into in the adoption and foster care community? Yeah. So I think so many times um, there's uh, this fallacy when it comes to foster care adoption that, you know, when we foster, when we adopt, it's going to be like a white picket fence around a beautiful home. And I think that even though in our minds and in our in our minds, we know that there's a lot that might happen um, and there's a lot of trauma that goes on with these kiddos um, before they come into our home. We know that in our minds, but we can't connect that to our heart. Um, And so we want to be a good parent. And as soon as things start to unravel slightly, um, I think sometimes we set ourselves up for what I call that we, we think we're failures and we're not right? We're just trying to figure this out. And I think so many times we're not talking about um, that our main goal and what we are here to do as foster parents and adopted parents is to help these kids heal. Um, We are not professional babysitters. Uh, Yes, it's important that we keep them safe, that we keep them secure. But our main purpose and what we're called to do is to help these kids heal. Um, And I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think we talk about how do we continue to keep helping them heal. And in the process of that, how do we keep ourselves stable 
And how do we keep ourselves um, in a place where we can keep doing that for these children? Because it takes so much energy and it takes so much work. Um, and how do we keep ourselves stabilized in, in order to do that? I think that's something we don't talk about enough. Yeah, that's great, Abby. I think it's a worthy reminder that we're, this isn't just like a a holding zone (laughs) where we're supposed to thrive until the next, you know, shoe drops. Um, We're trying to thrive and we need to try to help these kids, teenagers heal and move forward so that they're even in a better spot wherever life might take them next. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. So we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into helping children and teenagers find their voice. Um, so first, can you define what it means for them to find their voice? What is their voice, Abby? Yeah, their voice is really being able to share with you what their needs are, right? Um, and what do they need? And that looks different for every child. Um, if you think about um, regulation, you know, we have um, internal regulation um, that is often seen in infancy, Um, And then we have um, co-regulation and then self-regulation. And so in that internal um, regulation, uh, uh, you know, child cries, typically a mom will respond. In that co-regulation, the child might say, might, you know, point to something that they need. In self-regulation, then they start to use their words and what they need. Um, And so their voice is really helping you be able to define um, with their help what their needs are um, and that they're able to share that with you. Um, But children coming from trauma, it's very difficult, right? Um, Those kiddos that have um, been abused or have gone through some type of trauma that maybe even their caregiver was the perpetrator, how can they even trust? How can they even give their voice? How can they even let you know what they need um, when, you know, that particular um, part um, of their life was not developmentally appropriate because their need was not met. Um, and so we have to go backwards sometime in order to teach those skills so that the child can give their voice and they their voice is heard. Hmm. Can you share a little bit more about what that means to go backwards? Like it, as a parent, how can we kind of guide our child through that process to find their voice? Because I think um, this sounds really good on paper when we hear it, but then it's like really difficult to implement. Um, well, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you know for a fact that their internal regulation was not met um, and their initial needs were not met, we have to go backward. That's what I mean by going backwards. We have to say, okay, your need is going to be met and that they have what we call this felt safety, right? So that they, even though we know that we have a safe home and that we're providing safety, they may not feel that. And until they feel that, they're not going to start healing. And so obviously if this regulation um, was not met, then they're not feeling safe. So we have to go backwards. We have to start helping them understand that we're right beside them. We're not going to leave them, that we're going to meet their need, you know, almost in like what I talked about um, in our last time in that ideal situation, we're going to meet it immediately and direct um, that we're going to make eye contact with them and get and be with them in within proximity very quickly in order to that they know that their need can be met. Then these kids can start finding their voice. I think that is a good visual um, 
way to kind of walk us through it. So thank you for that, Abby. And I think it helps us kind of, um, wrap our heads around the process that needs to take place and how we can, can guide our children. So when we're talking about voice, how might that voice change or not change for kids who might come into our home when they're older? What, where does that look like? Yeah. So, you know, many times when they're older, their, their needs may be much more complex. Um, and so therefore their voice maybe has been years of not being able to hear, have, find their own voice and be able to share what their needs are. So again, the relationship with a child is number one, that nurture, nurture, nurture relationship, relationship, relationship is number one. So that you are building that so that they feel safe and that they can trust you, that they are able to start sharing what their needs might be. But I do think many times when they come into your home older, it's just more complex. And so it's going to take more time. It's going to take more effort. It's going to take more persistence on your part as an adult to really um, give the time that they need. Just sitting beside them while they're doing homework um, and not doing um, housework per se for some time of just sitting beside them and being in presence with them. Uh, those are the moments I think will help um, a child feel safe and a child trust you so that they're able to find their voice. Okay, so I'm going even more abstract here, Abby. <laughs> How does the concept of voice, I use air quote, concept of voice relate to the concept of identity? So, you know, our identity is really understanding who we are um, how God has created us and what his purpose will be in our life, right? That's really our identity is, is in Christ. Um, and so when we think about um, the voice and how it relates to that, if we're not able to share needs, then how are we going to ever understand how God has created us um, and understand um, who he is in our life? And I think that is an important piece also. Um, and so our identity comes from doing simple, also learning simple tasks and being able to do things over and over and over again. And um, that increases maturity, which then increases, you know, all of the, the concepts of what does it mean to have your voice? Um, and I do think that that particular um, piece of the concept of identity is very interconnected with wh who, what our voice is. Um, and how we identify ourselves. If we're not able to share needs, then our identity is not going to be um, really crystal clear. Abby, can you talk to us a little bit about how if our child or a child that's in our home, um, maybe they are struggling to identify and articulate a need to us as parents, um, but they're not necessarily struggling with the concept of having needs and articulating this elsewhere, and they're finding other ways to fill that void, um, ways that are outside of Jesus, who we know is the one who makes us whole um, and gives us that identity. Um, can you just kind of walk us through what that looks like? Um, they clearly know how they might be able to articulate a need, um, or maybe they're just going somewhere different to find ha having those needs met. Yeah, so I think it's really important that at that stage of the game is that you really provide those support systems um, and also um, allow that child to have friends and structured um, environments that you trust. Um, and so when that child is needing to share it with someone else and not you, not to panic about that, 
um, because many times um, adolescents will share with others before they'll share with their parents. But are you providing an atmosphere that you trust that atmosphere, whether it be a church setting, whether it be a community setting, whether it be a school setting that you know who the coach is and you trust that coach. So are you providing those particular atmospheres um, that your child is part of so that they, um, if they are sharing it with, with other people besides yourself, you know, they're going to get um, wise counsel. Um, and what do we need to do as parents in order to keep expanding those environments that you know, they're going to get wise counsel. Thanks. Sorry. I know I'm throwing a lot of ones that are off look at you, but I just think it's so interesting to see like how, how this concept of articulating a need and meeting a need, how that relates to even just attachment um, and parenting through like the different attachment styles. And then as they are articulating that with their voice, it's at the same time that these pieces are unfolding about identity. And so I think, you know, the more, that we are able to model and articulate how our identity is in Christ. And like you just shared, which I think was so helpful, like creating those structures and creating a space um, for those kids to kind of meet Jesus, meet people who love Jesus, be able to see how that impacts them and their identity and how they can then find Jesus for themselves. Yeah. And I think as adults, you know, as parents, we really need to make sure that our attachment is secure. Right. Um, and mm -hmm. so no matter what it was growing up, we can, you you know, have that earned secure of attachment. We can eventually get there. And I do think, you know, so many times we get um, I, I'll use the word territorial. I'm not sure if that's the best word. But when someone when our children share a feeling with someone else, that they, we feel they should have shared with us. We get territorial about that. We get upset instead of just saying, I'm so glad you were able to share that with someone. I am so glad. Um, and I really hope one day that you're able to do that with me also. Um, and I'm going to keep being here. Um, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay with, here with you. Um, and I'm always going to be here for you so that when you feel comfortable doing that, that I am here and ready to listen. But I think we get so panicked about these feelings being shared with others. And that's why I think as the more structured environments that you feel comfortable with that we can get them involved in, the, the better. Um, but we all know, too, that there's always going to be times in their life that they're not going to get wise counsel. And what do we what do they do with that? And what do we do with that? Um, and that is a hard that's a hard place. Right. Um, but you know, while they're in your care, do whatever you can to provide those positive environments for them. So Abby, when the going gets tough and the hard things come and the Monday seem day to day is just overwhelming. We often refer to this as we're like in the trenches, but like deep in the trenches. Um, help us understand how we can be reminded of this kingdom work in the midst of it all um, and how can we be intentional about creating an opportunity for our kids to find their voice amidst all of that? Yeah, I think one of the biggest pieces, you guys, is just to really stay calm, always stay calm. <laughs> um, and, you know, that calmness only comes from our own peace and what's internalized, what is being internalized with us. Um, and many times I think, you know, you, you know, you use the word, Sarah, kingdom work every day, every moment with anyone that we come around is kingdom work. 
um, whether they're children in our home, whether they're our neighbors, whether they're um, individuals that we work with, um, but especially these kiddos that are in our home. It's kingdom work moment by moment. We've been called to help um, steer them in a way that is godly and a way that um, that God would be pleased. And the biggest piece is just trying to remain calm at in every circumstance. Um, that is tough work. That is really hard. And I do think as you continue to um, just be in his word and be um, available to listen to his voice and have moments that you're able to listen to his voice, that keeps us calm and gives us the peace that we need that we're able to listen to people around us um, mm -hmm. and create that space. Um, we too need space, right? Um, and so those are the we have to create that own our own space for ourselves whether it's through journaling whether it's through bible reading whether it's through really focusing in on a specific verse whether whether it's through prayer we need to create that space and model that as we create that space i think it's easier for us to create space for those around us i think these tips are so helpful because i think you know creating space is really hard sometimes in the day to day. And so to be reminded um, with these uh, really helpful practical tips, but also truth that um, the, you know, these are our calm comes from his peace, like you said, and being able to be anchored in him ourselves is what is going to help anchor our kids and kind of help create that. And um, all of that can be overwhelming when you're like looking around at your house and seeing all the tasks that you have to do and the kids are running around crazy. But I think um, being able to have these moments where we're continuously reminding ourselves and on and preaching the gospel to ourselves every single day, um, you guys just got to keep going. So thank you, Abby, for sharing all of that. Would For some logistical connections for those who are local to where we are in our podcast, what are ways that they can connect? Um, with Kobe's and all the many departments that you oversee. <laughs> yeah, sure. So if you just go to our website at www.kobe's.org, C-O-B-Y-S.org, um, you would be able to see all of the different services we provide. If you go into the education tab, you could see all the different evidence-based programming that we provide. Um, and we hope that you're able to take advantage of some of those those programs. One of the um, pieces that we are doing right now is called the Blues Program. The Blues Program is for adolescents, um, grades 9 through 12. Um, and basically, this teaches cognitive behavioral skills of helping them learn how to talk about their feelings. Um, it's a six-week, one-hour um, per week program. Um, we do it virtually and also in person. And so um, we really are, are working diligently to get a lot of people trained um, that they're able to implement the program. Um, and we are trainer of trainers. So we're able to train um, church um, um, individuals or school districts um, to so that they're able to implement the program themselves um, for continually. Um, but it is an excellent program and the outcomes really, we are really wanting to make sure that those with mild depression or anxiety are not clinically diagnosed. That's really one of the main outcomes. Um, and so um, it's called the Blues Program and it's a program I think is really helpful for this age category of really helping them learn how to talk about their feelings and thinking through problem solving situations and, and learning how to solve their own problems. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. 
Um, I we will make sure that we link your website um, in our show notes. So we're very we're very excited to do that. Would you be able to touch just briefly for anyone who's listening who maybe doesn't live in one of the counties um, that is uh, served by Kobe's, um, or maybe they're looking they're in another state where it's difficult to find post adoption support or post placement support? What are some ways that you would recommend finding resources and ways for them to be connected? to anyone, someone who would be able to help them. <laughs> yeah, so I would probably encourage you to go to a local foster care adoption agency and just see what resources are available that maybe that agency would be able to provide. Um, I know in Pennsylvania, um, you know, we have the SWAN network, which is statewide adoption network. Um, I'm not sure about other states. Um, and so I would encourage you to go to um, a local foster care adoption agency and just see what is available within that state and the resources that are available in that county. Um, because I do know that there's there's resources all across our nation. We know that. Um, another um, particular piece that you know we also do at Kobe's is um, TBRI, which is Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And, you know, there are a lot of different um, trainings that you can find online um, and different things that, you know, that that you could find even just Googling trust based relational intervention. So that would be another um, avenue or another resource. Yeah, we're big fans of Karen Purvis here at Two Adoptive Mamas. So I appreciate that shout out, too. And I think you're right. You know, there's a lot of good resources out there. And and one of our hopes um, with doing this podcast is for you, our listeners, to be able to hear something, a topic that either you need to hear that day um, or you might need to hear it in the future and be able to have some links and opportunities to go down those pathways for, for resources wherever you might find yourself today. So thank you for listening. Abby, thank you for joining us for our little mini series. <laughs> I learned some of these really important topics. Um, for kiddos who are in our home and we just appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. To all our listeners, we appreciate you popping your earbuds in. We'll see you next episode. Until then, remember, you've got this mama. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or know someone who could benefit from our show, the best thing to do is leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're grateful to be hosting the Two Adoptive Mamas podcast for a fourth season. Learn more about how you can support our ongoing work through our Patreon at twoadoptivemamas.com. As always, it's been fun. Until we meet again, remember, you've got this, mama. Mama.